0: Hello brothers and sisters, this is the Remnant Warrior, and you are now listening to Buy Their Fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network.
1: Buy their fruits, you shall know them. Buy, 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 their buy their fruits buy their fruits
2: buy their fruits buy their fruits buy their
1: fruits you shall know them all right welcome to buy their fruits i am your host jeremy stone and i'm here with john brisson my co-host how you doing tonight john
2: i'm doing well jeremy hope you're doing well hope everybody who's listening is doing well out there during these troubled times stay close to the lord as always um but uh yeah hope everybody's doing good out there
1: yeah man i'm doing i'm doing great it feels good to be doing great to be for once you know what i'm saying (laughs) it's been a rough ride lately but god is good man and he's faithful and always um i'm glad to have all these people on tonight we got two special guests we got Jeremy Anderson, how you doing, Jeremy?
0: I'm doing great, man. Doing great.
1: Yeah, good to have yeah, you I'm on, glad buddy. To be on, bro. Absolutely. And who else we got on tonight, John?
2: We have a very special guest for By Their Fruits listeners. Um, we have uh, Odd Man Out from The Oddcast, who is a good personal friend of mine, fellow brother in Christ, a, a above and beyond recommended researcher. I've been following his podcast, The Oddcast, for years. I've had him on. We've read the documents numerous times because he is one of the few parapolitical researchers who actually does uh, research and does um, spend his time Uh, finding the documents very much like myself, hopefully, Uh, not wanting to toot my own horn here. Uh, But I am greatly appreciative to have the Odd Man on. Uh, And Odd Man, how are you doing this evening?
3: I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to be on with you guys. Thank you for asking me to come on.
2: Anytime, brother. Um, So
3: first of all,
2: um, I've seen you like myself over the past few years, become more bolding to preach the gospel and to talk about us uh, uh, being Christians, which is very difficult uh, in today's uh, modern world as increased persecution of Christians occurs. And I do believe eventually it is something that is coming here to the United States of America uh, that will be you know, persecution that will cost us our lives, which has been as such the first century, which America has been very blessed uh, these past 100, 200 years. 300, maybe. I don't know when, when, when did the, the Calvinists stop persecuting the Anabaptists, but that's a whole other discussion there. Uh, but, uh, oh, some, sure. uh, sometime around that time period. Uh, so, uh, but we've had a brief reprieve. So, for the audience, can you tell people your testimony of how you came to know the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ,
3: brother? Yeah, man. Uh, it's not a real dramatic testimony, honestly. Um, because, uh, you know, and a lot of people have really went through some, crazy things to come to the Lord. But I grew up in a Christian family and, uh, you know, I gave my life to God, um, seven years old, man. I, I went to a Christian school for the first couple of years, uh, you know, kindergarten, first grade. And I remember, um, just sitting in the, in the class and, and, telling God, you know, asking God to come into my heart, asking Jesus to, to come to my heart and save me. And it's, you know, it was from then on. And, um, I don't know, man, I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I strayed. Uh, my family kind of quit going to church. Uh, my, my grandfather was a, a Baptist minister. After he passed, I was about 10. Uh, we kind of stopped going to church probably around the age of a 12, uh, for whatever reason, he just wasn't there. He was kind of the, the backbone, uh, you know, the patriarch of the family. And, and, uh, so I, uh, you know, as kids do, I got into, uh, worldly things i started liking uh you know, rock music about 14 or so um actually went on to when i was 19 joined a heavy metal band uh, or started one anyway and we played for about 10 years and um you know i kind of straight away i never you know gave up my faith but um you know it was always there but i always knew i was doing wrong and uh, and even today i mean i tell people for all your your listeners i'm not out here, trying to say that I I'm someone you need to mimic. You know, I, I I'm I struggle. I I'm not a good Christian, honestly, not that great of a Christian. But uh, you know, I I'm trying, and I feel like uh, now more than ever, it's it's pushed me to try to be a better Christian because I see the persecution, and you know, I see what's going on in the world, and in the downfall of society, and all these things that are being pushed in the culture wars, and you know, it seems like that there's one thing that all, you know, there's one thing in common, it seems like, and that's the hate for Christianity, no matter what kind of uh, belief system a person has, it seems like. And in part of that too, you know, I do understand that Christianity has kind of been the dominant religion. So part of that maybe is just the way things happen when you have a dominant belief system, a lot more people are going to come out against it, but I think it's coming to a head, and uh, I think a lot of us can see that. So, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of expose a lot of these things that we, you know, that's not real commonly known in Christianity. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do.
2: Yeah, um, you, know, you know, I've had conversations over the years. Um, And I and I saw you uh, around the same you probably did it before I did, but started to become more bold to talk about your faith, Um, because when I started, we read the documents. Initially, I was not born again. Uh, I came born again probably a year into doing it. I think it was sometime during 2019. I don't exactly remember the date, but I remember exactly where I was when it happened. And um, and so, uh, you know, it took me a while to be able to unlearn the, the Gnostic beliefs that I had. Um, and, and to be able to understand more and be able to preach the gospel. So I was very timid at first, you know, I was very timid. And so, but now I'm completely, uh, you know, un, uh, you know, I'm unabashed. I'm not ashamed, you know, and I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying I've seen that growth in you too, as well, which also yeah. grows us to leave godly lives too. When I was first saved, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, regeneration, uh, you know, it takes time, you know, my, 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 my soul, uh, is fully regenerated, but the flesh still sins, right? So it takes time, uh, for that, um, you know, that, that old self to be put away, right? To, 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 to die as far as the flesh is concerned. And so I sin less now. I try to strive uh, more with my walk with the Lord. I still fall short every single day as all fleshly uh, beings d- uh, do, as all humans do, should I say. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's tough, you know my, my faith waxes and wanes as all Christians does too as well, but it's ultimately there because I'm bored again, and it's ultimately what wins out in the end. and uh, my Christian living is the same, you know, but more and more as I see of the God has chasing me and put me through fire and the more and more I see of the world and how it's going, um, I am being more obedient uh, to him and and to his word. Um, and hopefully that continues and never wanes. Uh, And I have seen changes in my life because of that. And I would assume you have too, uh, correct?
3: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, you know, my, I have a son who's 13 and I regret that my daughters, I have a a daughter that's 20 and a daughter that's 25. And so uh, the middle child, she didn't get to go to church too much, but thank goodness she's the best one. (laughs) She's kind of the one I didn't have to watch as much. But I wanted to, you know, get my son back into church the last few years and uh, really kind of bring him up in that world uh, because our family was missing that. And my wife, thank God, she pushed us to do that more than anything. I probably, you know, probably would have still been messing around, you know. And it is kind of hard, too, with being a Christian for so long. You know, it's like you get into a church and there's no perfect church and you you see these things that you don't approve of, you know, little teachings here and there, or maybe uh, even um, just the way they approach certain things. And it's kind of tough, but um, you know, I've gotten back into church on a regular basis. We go twice a week and uh, we even go to this, this marriage. um, It's not like a counseling thing, but it's like a group of other married people uh, once a month. And that's kind of cool too. I didn't think I'd enjoy it very much because I'm kind of a, introvert, but it's definitely helped us, I think, as a, as a family to see other people, other, uh, you know, married people, married Christian people, married families, and see what they go through and realize you're not the only one that's struggling yep. with all these things. So I think it's yeah. definitely worth looking into for people. It can
2: be edifying. Yes. Especially if you find a, a biblical group of couples that follow
3: the word,
2: uh, and, uh, you know, edify the body of Christ as iron sharpens iron, right? As one brother to another, So it could be the same with, uh, you know, the group within the body of Christ, uh, you know, doing the same, um, which that's, that's, that's amazing. You know, I, um, I mean, you're right, most of us are not going to find a church that completely lines up with what we believe. I mean, I go or it comes uh, close sometimes. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, people are going to find this. They- People are gonna find this, you know, funny. Uh, but I go to a Calvinist church. Uh, now I'm not a Calvinist. I won't ever be a Calvinist. Uh, but not everybody at my church is um, uh, ca- Calvinist. Uh, there are, are um, lack of a better word, free will believers um, at the church that I attend. And my pastor is not a double predestination Calvinist. He's a single predestination Calvinist, which there is a difference. But I still have issues with TULIP, obviously, except for which is controversial for for at least two of the people uh, uh, (laughs) on the street, which is eternal security, which is once saved, always saved. Uh, But anyway, uh, other than other than that, you know, and so I I, but interestingly enough, my 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 pastor, though, he is. um, He is premillennial. He's dispensational premillennial. Okay. And so, uh, which is very, which I guess MacArthur, John Spencer. MacArthur is as well, too. I was okay. about which,
0: to say he's a MacArthur Calvinist.
2: That is correct. He is. So that's because his father was a free will Baptist preacher and he came out of that. Okay. So that part he kept, which I'm against dispensationalismologically. But the premillennial stuff, I'm glad because he's telling people don't vote for Trump, you know, don't vote for anybody. Like he literally said today you know, Jesus and God first, your country second in the middle of the sermon. Okay. Like it's pretty like when it comes to the parapolitics politics and it comes to the worldly, you know, great awakening that's coming, he's, he's shepherding his flock to stay as far away from that as it possibly can. So something like well, that that's very important in today's modern world that we live in. Right. So I'm like, right. well, you know, I can kind of put up with the other stuff, uh, you know, it, you know, because I think that above all, if we are truly entering into the tribulation which i think we might be uh that's going to be very important um and so um which he's a post i guess he's a post tribulation rapture not pre tribulation rapture believer too that's good um, too um uh and so uh but anyway um so what i wanted to set that up for is your research into zionism now um you know i i i believe that and i'm speaking for myself personally that the heartlet uh, foretold in the book of Revelation, the old world order, um, is will be, uh, Mystery Babylon is Jerusalem. And the, old order, and the old world order is Zionism. Okay. And that will be destroyed. It will be destroyed uh, by God. And as uh, the saints, we are supposed to rejoice when the heartlet falls, when it's devoured by the beast, when it's ultimately God's judgment brought a, upon it. But we're not supposed to yoke ourselves up With the beast thinking the beast saved us it wasn't it was jesus christ and god the father but there's many christians out there who have many preconceived notions about israel uh and about modern israel today now i'm not saying whether or not it plays into future eschatology okay i'm just saying the belief that they are you know that the jews that live in israel are god's chosen people today okay And the belief propagated forward about that, that we're as Christians or as Americans, we're supposed to 100% support our greatest ally. Okay. And so uh, I guess to start, what are the origins of Zionism? Um, And um, why are so many Christians uh, fooled by Zionist
3: beliefs today?
0: I'm so glad y'all invited me. I got to hear this.
1: Yeah, I know you got a lot to say, Jeremy, too, so I'm glad you're here, dude
3: yeah, man feel free to to jump in any any second, man. Uh, well, I would just say, like the origins of Zionism, as far as I can tell, I've done ten shows now on this subject um all over the place though it's it's political, it gets into their you know their uh, religious beliefs and everything too, but um really was just um you know. Pre World War I, even, it started with uh, basically the Rothschilds. Uh, Nathan uh, Rothschild, um, you know, he decided to start buying land over in Palestine. Uh, you know, so it started slow. Uh, there was just maybe 8 to 10% of Palestine was Jewish and the rest were Arabs. And um, there was nearly 800,000 Arabs there at that time. And they build it as a people without a land, or is it a people a land for a people with the people without a land. But there was a a lot of people on that land and they, they just totally wiped that out in, in the media. They acted like there was hardly anybody that even lived there. You know, it was a total lie, but they started buying up land there little by little. And um, they eventually made rules that no Arabs could work on the land whatsoever. You know, they wanted it to be all just um, Jewish people there. And um, you know, they kept on working towards their goal, more and more and more, uh, infiltrating governments. Uh, you know, we had uh, judge, uh, Brandeis here, Supreme court justice, who was a leader of uh, I believe that was the leader of the world Zionist organization, one of their, their biggest uh, organizations anyway. But he was, uh, working with uh, Wilson. He had the year of Wilson and, um, they had all kinds of plants every career. It's, they really are. And you know, the, the more I've studied this, it's the most well-organized group of people, in the world, it has to be because they're everywhere in every government, in most big businesses. But, um, yeah, they just started working their way to the for this one goal. And the early Zionists were not religious, most of them, in fact, were secular socialists, and so, uh, it didn't have really a religious connotation. Uh, it was they they injected that eventually in there to talk religious Jews into being yeah. Zionists. Yep. And so, you know, it's, um, and that's what we have now modern, today, you can't hardly even tell the difference. I mean, there are a lot of secular Jews for sure, but most of those secular Jews now are not Zionists, you know? So it's kind of interesting how it's it's worked out in the modern era.
2: Yeah. Um, some of my research also found out that the mountain Jews, which many people do not know, about them and more uh, familiar with Sephardic or Ashkenazi Jews uh, were very much spearheaders of the Zionist uh, movement in the 1800s and later in the 19 early 1900s as well, too, uh, when the mountain Jews come out of the... Um, You're talking the Caucasus Mountains. That is yep. correct, yes, the yes. Caucasus Mountain Jews. and and They're not even Jews. It's interesting because they the way they they claim they trace back their lineage is, is is uh doing the during the book of Esther uh that they were uh supposedly uh the Jews within the Persian empire that were left behind. Okay. That's what they well, claim. You, That's what they claim. Okay. You can then,
0: see directly in the Bible though Ashkenaz where Ashkenazi comes from is I mean he he comes from Noah but he's he's one of Noah's great grandsons, and is before Abraham, so especially before Jacob.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know that line, if it's traced back there, which it's the only place it could be traced back, as far as you know, ancient um, Semitic peoples. You know that they're, they're they're not of any of the twelve tribes, as far as Ashkenaz is concerned.
2: Yeah, that yes, that would be correct. I agree. Um, and I mean, you know, we've heard of Khazar theory, which has also been Khazar theory uh, put out there for the Mountain Jews, which is buried more when most people think it's the Ashkenazis. Uh, but there are many scholars who talk about the mountain Jews actually being from the kingdom of Khazaria, uh, which I think it was kind of a bait and switch for the Ashkenazi Jews for, for them to put that the Ashkenazi Jews are from the kingdom of Khazaria um, and the mountain Jews, they, um, they don't really care too much about the Talmud. Uh, they, they, they don't, you know, in, you know, maybe some do, but in mass, they really have no reverence or rabbis have no reverence for the Talmud. However, they have very strong reverence for the Kabbalah. For the jewish mysticism that's more of what they're involved in uh and they actually um won't um they look very much disdain to most gentiles but they also look most a lot of disdain to ashkenazi jews and actually push back against uh mountain jews and ashkenazi jew relationships Um, In which I found that very interesting. Uh, But I did not know if you'd come across any, you know, information about the origins of Zionism as far as the mountain Jews and your research on me.
3: I have not. That's uh, one that I've been wanting to look into, but I really haven't. Uh, You know, I I looked into, uh, you know, some Sephardic and Ashkenazi origins and also some Khazarian origins as well. Uh, You know, and there's always... You know there's a a connection there between the three for sure but it's kind of hard to uh pinpoint exactly because there's so many conspiracies and legends and and different people saying different things and uh but um you know I, i just tell people like like kind of a quick way to kind of like talk about how the church doesn't really understand what modern you know judaism is in modern israel is they, they really you don't get any perspective in most churches after the second temple you know you don't get anything like there's been so much that's happened with the jews since the second temple the teachings all the uh you know the, their holy books that half the jews now.
2: believing Zabatai zevi was the uh was was the messiah at least yeah, half they've the had a few Jew- different
3: false messiahs yeah you know
2: and so i mean yeah that's very much so
3: yeah, and I've got a book uh, written by uh, a Jewish author. It's called uh, I think it's called Fifty Jewish Messiahs, and so she go. I think it's a, a female. She goes into the uh, origins of all these, and it's real. It's a really really interesting book because there's many I had no idea about. But um, yeah, you know, I feel like during the uh, especially during the Enlightenment, it really changed. But even before that, they were writing all these books and I didn't realize until I got deeply into it that when they say the Torah, they don't mean the first five books of the Bible. They mean that they mean the Talmud, the Zohar, the Sefer Yetzirah, all the commentaries on the Zohar and Sefer Yetzirah. I mean, they have this huge catalog that they consider sacred books. And you know, it's really, um, you know, once I started looking into it, I realized pretty quickly that, um, you know, this, all these new age beliefs, well, they do have some Egyptian and uh, Zorio... I can never say the word Zoroastria. I can't say that word.
1: something. Oh,
3: yeah. Um, they have some influence in there as well. But uh, really, uh, if you look at what these Messianic rabbis believe and teach, you get ascension, you get reincarnation. Come on, Rabbi
2: Jonathan Kahn, man. That's what I call <laughs> yes, it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Nice,
3: yeah. nice. Uh, you get... Um, Pretty much all the, nearly all, like, communication with uh, spirits and in angel worship uh, with Metatron and these different angels they think they're communicating with. Yep. Uh, They really believe in, I think, is it called theurgy when they believe that man can kind of control what God does?
2: I believe Uh, so, yes. I think that's the name
3: for it. They really believe that. And, uh they take that to heart. And uh, I think Carl Mark would was
2: saying theosophy, co creation. We're co creators with God. We could be equals with God, or maybe mm-hmm. even, we can even transcend God, and, mm-hmm. and, and which is a ludicrous belief if any stretch right. of the imagination. But the theosophists look at that very similar. The New Agers look at that very similar. So, I mean, it's all Mystery Babylon, you know, amalgamation religion, you know, uh, uh, pretty much the religion of Satan.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I I point out to people, you know, fellow Christians, I I say, look, you go to a church, how often has your pastor talked about the parts of the Bible where the Jews turn their back on God? It happens, you know, it happened time and time again, but now we're supposed to believe like, I I actually go to a Calvary church. And the the reason I go there is because it was when I first started going back to church, my family loved the church uh, and they were, very anti-woke, anti-shutdowns, anti-jabs, you know, the whole thing. They were really good with that. The pastor talks about the new world order all the time. He points out some great stuff, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, the pre-trib and some of the things that they teach. I don't, I don't believe, but um, you know, you get it's what like, you
1: can out of it, you know, exactly. For yeah, it. You you take that and you, you know, spit out the bones.
3: Exactly. And the fact that my family, enjoy going there i don't want to hurt their walk you know by trying to i started to try to you're a godly
2: husband you're a godly husband by doing that
3: i I really backed off because i realized this is going to backfire on me i think i mean unless it was extreme
2: heresy there was extreme heresy at the church and that'd be a different story okay but based off of what you said i've heard no extreme heresies yeah invite
1: me to where you live i want to go there um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but okay so um as we know that the jews are partially blinded uh, because of the rejection of jesus christ as the messiah as paul wrote in romans 11 uh, 25 uh, you know he wrote um for i would not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery let ye shall be wise your own because the blindness in part has happened to israel to the fullness of the gentiles uh, uh become in uh and so you know israel like you said god chose israel to show the world his long-suffering and his love and, you know, all the attributes of God, okay? Like he sovereignly chose Israel. That is, you know, Jacob, I love Esau, who I've hated, okay? So he sovereignly chose Israel, not because they're special, okay? Because they have, you know, their blood special, their heritage or ethnicity is special per se, but he chose them for them to represent him to the world and the remnant within him within Israel just like the remnant throughout to the beginning of time who have the lord who love love god uh who have been you know who um have faith Faithful. through god's grace um you know we are a representation of god of jesus christ um and you can go read you can go read the old testament and i don't know how many times like you mentioned God is constantly long-suffering, constantly chastising uh, Israel, constantly um, rebuking Israel uh, to the point where he even says, I'm tired of your sacrifices because they're vain motions and they mean nothing. Um, And, um, I mean, we see it time and time again.
1: I I might add, too, that at one point God divorced Israel Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. went on whoring after other gods for the thousandth time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah through through his love and grace he has been extremely merciful on israel to put up with them for that long and mm-hmm. then when christ came he even said i came for the lost sheep of israel the promise yep. was still for israel as a people like as a people mm-hmm. not as a mm-hmm. physical nation but go on
3: yeah no i I'm totally agree man and i was going to say that uh the pastor he has um a podcast on the side that's kind of separate from the church and it's very political and he has a co-host on there and, and my wife would listen to it a lot and I would just be wanting to jump through the speakers constantly because he it's nothing but praise for Israel and they can do no wrong. And uh, the last one I listened to, he said that Christians shouldn't critique Israel or their government when they do things wrong because they're chosen. They're God's chosen people, and it's not our place to do that and
2: uh, uh, I would greatly disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, I believe that we are able to criticize any government um now that being said, you know, if we were Israeli citizens, we would have to obey the Israeli government within reason, um you yeah. know, or just like any government, China. Russia, uh, you know, within, you know, there's certain things, obviously, if they tell you to disobey God or harm yourself or another person, you could disobey. Um, But that being said, same with the American government. Um, But um, that's, 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 you're allowed to disagree. Uh, I mean, especially when Bibi Netanyahu and the hardline parties were trying to push that we would be arrested for proselytizing in Israel. Okay, that you would go to jail for proselytizing in Israel. Okay, and then BB, there was a huge outcry about that, and then BB had to back off, supposedly allegedly. Okay, how can we say that they're doing God's will? You know, which as far as it playing into the end times, yes, I can understand someone making that argument. Okay, but at the same time, how can we say we blindly back that when instead we would say? this might be playing into the end times and the persecution of, of Christians, but at the same time, this is wrong and we should proselytize, uh, you know, to the, to the Jewish people, uh, you know, because we're called to make disciples of all nations, right? And just because we're discussing these things, you discuss Zionism, I discuss Zionism, all of us discuss Zionism to some degree and our problems, you know, with it. And the rebellious heart of the Jewish people, uh, you know, um, you know, the Gentiles had a rebellious heart, too. OK, and and, you know, we, we 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 love everyone. Everyone is created in God's image. OK, we are supposed to spread the gospel to everybody. OK, because yeah. there are some uh, Christians that harden their heart towards the Jewish people. OK, once they learn about the ills of Zionism and about the old world order in Jerusalem being the heartlet. Okay. And they go, well, I'm not going to go proselytize to the Jewish people. You know, I don't care about the Jewish people. You know, now, granted, you have Hagee over here, who's a false teacher all the way over here, who's going to be judged and condemned. Okay. That's saying that they're saved. Don't worry about it. Okay. Which is a complete lie. All right. Yep. But on the other end, you have, well, they're damned. They're lost. Don't waste your time. Okay. And that's wrong too. Yes. See,
1: uh, as far as I can tell through my research and for some of other people's research that, you know, blaming the Jews for everything as a whole, as a, as an entire ethnic group of people, blaming them for everything was like a Jesuit pretty much counter. You know what I mean? To, to, because they, at that time when they created that blame, the Jesuits were getting kicked out of countries. They were getting, you know, they were trying to overthrow governments and doing all this stuff and they, the heat was on them. And so as far as I can tell, they used the, it's the Jews, it's the Jews type of argument to take the heat off of what the Jesuits were doing. But the Jesuits were also, I'm not going to say ethnic Jew, but they had uh Jewish mystic origins as well. So, I mean, it's kind of like a counter...
2: It's kind of everybody casting blame at everybody so no one gets looked at. I mean, you know, I mean, the world order, like, I don't believe it's a singular world order. I don't think it's a Jesuit world order. I don't think it's a Zionist world order. Uh, They're all working at goods. I think that there are some factions that are more powerful than others. Okay. And I think you would agree with that, odd man. I would assume that you you would. Um, But that being said, though, they all like to point fingers at the other group so that their group won't be looked at. Um, you know, we see that time and time again, right? You have the, the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, the Jesuits. Yeah, the one
1: time the 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 Masons were, you know, um blaming the Catholics. The Catholics yep. had this pretend war with the with the Masons, yep. you know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely.
2: Which is common, which is common. Yeah. Um, and so um odd man is is there okay, so what about the current um push for Israel here in the United States to the Israel lobby? Um Got any info on that or what's going
3: on? I, I do, but let me say quickly, too, that um, I'd just like to say, too, to the Christians that are listening to to this or will listen to this, another thing that the, I think that needs to be said is uh, modern Judaism is not, it's so different from what you're led to believe it is mm-hmm. that it would blow your mind. And yeah, that it's, it's really bad. blown my mind. I mean, its it's been hard for me to, to accept a lot of the things that I've learned. You know, I really had a hard time with it, but. I kept reading more and more about from Jewish sources, from these rabbis, uh, reading the Talmud, reading the Zohar, and and their other holy books, if you will. And they, they really don't even have absolutes because they'll tell you that one verse in the Talmud can mean 72 different things. Uh, rabbi Shimon Bar Yohai is like their most coveted rabbi or one of the most supposedly <coughs> wrote the Zohar, but come to find out it was a, 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 it was a rabbi like a thousand years or so later uh, after him that wrote it and said that he was basic, basically inhabited by this rabbi, automatic writing. And that's how mm-hmm. he wrote the Zohar. But it says in there that Bar Yohai says that you are going to hell if you Interpret the Torah just straight the way it's read. You yeah. have to read it in a mystical way. So same in the Gnostics
2: do the same thing with the Bible,
3: allegorical, um, mm-hmm. and that would be Moses de Leon
2: who Moses channeled Leon. Um, yeah. Simon uh, Ben Yochai, um, which again, you know, I, you see a chart where most Christians think that from Jesus, you know jews continue but it splits to christians right but that's mm-hmm. not exactly how it worked okay yeah. and what happened yeah. was was the jews who were the remnant who believed who had faith they became christians
3: yep. mm-hmm. yeah
1: and real quick john just in case uh any listeners out there do not know what automatic writing or channeling is can you just break it down because we have several examples of occultist automatic writing through spirits you know Alice Bailey, Mm -hmm. Linda Lovoski, Alistair Crowley, Barbara Marsh
2: Hubbard, all of them.
1: Yeah. So can you just explain what that is?
3: Well, it's basically, uh, they claim that they're inhabited by a spirit of someone else. Usually, uh, with Crowley, I guess it was, uh, a demon straight up, right? Uh, Iowas or whatever his name was. Iowas. Um, they believe they're inhabited by these beings and these beings give them the knowledge to write down, whatever books or whatever writings that they write down and they believe it's divinely inspired. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. And that's another connection to this mystic mystical Judaism that the new age has with all their, uh, automatic writers. Uh, so right. yeah, it's, it's crazy how all that stuff really kind of, um, comes out of, uh, I mean, like I said before, it does probably the, the roots are Egyptian, but uh, it really comes out of uh, mystical Judaism, all the New Age stuff.
2: Yeah, and it's—I and guess one one tiny thing in there is they all—it's crazy when they all claim that they channel the same demons, like like the Tibetan or mm. um just the Count of Saint Germain or Metatron. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. if they keep—you know, like if they keep using the same names for these demons over and over again, then they're probably—they're probably. Uh, they're probably um, you know they're probably they're probably channeling all the same demons you know i mean i don't see how that's not possible you know
3: yeah yeah i would think so i mean and i mean it's it's just really understanding what they believe now and and see how the beliefs have changed and in their influence from the days when they worshipped moloch and in tammuz i mean they've got a month i think it's the fourth month of the year is named after the pagan god tammuz and, and so it tells you that they definitely were influenced by these uh, different belief systems.
2: Yes, especially when they, I mean, it's where got the Babylonian Talmud when they were in Babylonian, Babylon, Babylon, Babylonian captivity, you know.
3: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, you asked me about modern uh, Israel. Uh, I think that, um, you know, you look back at what all these uh, rabbis from the ancient times up till now have written, and they believe, you know, that... Um, Christianity is you know, Esau or Edom as they refer to it. The modern Christianity is still Esau, and Esau has to be destroyed. They actually hold up Ishmael higher than they do Esau, and uh, they say that Christianity in the West has to be destroyed. And I've heard these rabbis, I've got video of some of these rabbis actually saying that, and uh, so I think that that's all you really need to know. They believe that is ordained and we have to be destroyed so they can have their utopia on earth because they don't really believe in a heaven like we perceive heaven. They believe that Israel is going to be heaven. And when they say Israel, it's the whole entire Levant. I mean, they want the most of the Middle East uh, and they think it's their divine right.
1: Now, Ahmed, do you uh, see any other correlation between You know, them thinking, like you said, the Christians were the Edomites. Um, There is another group out there, and Johnny probably know exactly what I'm speaking about, that believes that Christians or, I guess, uh, white Christians are also Edomites. The Hebrew Roots Movement does that. Okay. And the uh, Black Israelites uh, they, they, what is it called? What's that group called? John? Black,
3: Black Hebrew Israelites.
1: Yeah. Black Hebrew Israelites also believe that we're Edomites.
3: I had heard that. Yeah. I don't know much about that group, but uh, I think they do have similar beliefs as the rabbinical uh, messianics do. And except they kind of uh, think that they're the chosen ones as opposed to what we consider modern Jews. Right. They think they are the, the, the Jewish offspring, uh, which, from the which we're
2: not Europeans in of ourselves were from J noah's son so i mean we're not edomites in that Mm -hmm. regard so just throwing it out there but that's not the that's not the way they look at it so um but um um i think jeremy there you can go ahead can you talk okay
0: everything should be working now Uh, i just left and came back (laughs) uh I'm sorry about that. Hope I didn't mess anything up.
2: No, you might have to edit some of, of us trying to talk with you to get <laughs> to, to get you on, but uh but go ahead. What what, what were what were you going to say, brother?
0: Uh I was actually just going to read something about the establishing of Zionist churches and it actually it it, it was in the 1800s the Zionist Jews needed a a financial backing from the United States or their plan for a new Israel would fail. So in the 1800s, the United States was a predominantly Christian country. Any attempt to subjugate Palestine and reestablish Israel as a state in that region would be met with resistance from the then politically influential Christian quarter in the US. So the the Christians in the US posed a political roadblock to funding the new state of Israel. The Zionists knew that they had to nullify the anticipated Christian resistance to their Zionist plan. So they decided that the Christian theology and the Protestant churches must be changed in a way that would favor an Israeli state. And they had ready theologians to perform this duty in the Jesuit auxiliary. Because the the Jesuits, a lot of people may or may not know this, they were literally started by um, Jews who were very if they weren't Zionist at the time themselves they were very um, they were very uh, open and they cared about the the cause the Zionist cause but the Jesuits decided upon a plan to inject a theology into the Protestant churches whereby the Jews would be restored to their lost prominence via the rebuilding of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. There would be a reinstatement of animal sacrifices and the ordinances of the Old Testament law. And in this theology, Christ would return and rule from that temple during a millennial reign. Thus, the Christians would look upon the re-establishment of the Jewish state of Israel in Palestine as fulfillment of prophecy. And we, we see this, you know, today in dispensationalism theology and Christian Zionism that comes out of dispensationalism. And it goes back to the 1800s. And what I'm reading from, I'm actually reading from... The book um, "Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great" um, from uh, Edward Hendry, and it, this, as John and Jeremy know, is is one of my favorite books on on the subject of Babylon and the the horror of Babylon. Um, the woman who rides the beast and this particular chapter shows I'm not going to read the whole thing but it shows how uh the through the Jesuits the Zionists were able to influence the theology in the Protestant churches by establishing dispensationalism and ultimately this new theology was introduced in the seminary schools that were controlled by um crypto jews or you know hidden jews in the catholic church namely in the jesuits and one of the major uh, schools that is still the biggest university seminary in America is Dallas Theological Seminary, and it is a dispensational uh, seminary, and it was literally funded and made possible by Jesuits and Zionists. It was the Zion the Uh, Zionist-backed Jesuits who funded and made sure that the seminaries were founded and that the theology taught in the seminaries would make Christians more sympathetic and open, and eventually through believing it was fulfillment of prophecy, Want to establish a Jewish state in Israel. And of course, we know you know how things went after World War II. We finally see the nation of Israel become a nation again, but it was never the nation, the the nation that's there today, is not the, the the nation of Israel that was there in the Old Testament or in Jesus's time. Um, you know, Jesus in in Matthew twenty three, and then in Matthew twenty four, prophesized the destruction of the temple. And in the New Testament, we're just talking about the New Testament. You do not see one prophecy or mention of Israel being made a nation again like a physical nation with walls and borders and a physical temple and of course the reason for that is because it ha- that has absolutely nothing to do with god's plan in the new covenant you know the the kingdom of god the kingdom of christ the body of christ made up of jews and gentiles that is the fulfillment of god's plan and that's why you never see a state of israel talked about until you get to the book of revelation when you get to the book of revelation then you see israel talked about again or at least jerusalem talked about again you know as sodom and egypt the place where our lord was crucified but it's not talking about um you know i will agree that 1948 israel fulfills biblical prophecy i agree I just disagree on the part of end times prophecy that it fulfills. You know, it's, it's not what dispensationalists and the Zionist, Christian Zionists, that is, say that it is, you know, um, they use the scripture of a nation being born in a day, you know, talking about 1948 Israel, but that's not what 1948 Zionist Kabbalistic Israel is. It is exactly what you said earlier, John. It is the it is the whore of Babylon. It's the woman who rides the beast, and you know we see this whore, this harlot, uh, to use a little uh, nicer language. We see the scarlet harlot riding the beast very, very clearly. We see the Zionist extremely linked up with the Vatican. So you've got the Roman Catholic Church, which even if, one of the popes is not an antichrist or false prophet. They still are a antichrist. You don't get any more antichrist than, you know, the Vatican, the pope, especially the pope we have now. Um, and, and when I say antichrist, I mean the spirit of antichrist that John talks about in in First John. You know, and so. If in no other sense but the fact that you've got through the the Middle Ages and the Inquisitions and all of the things that the Roman Catholics did to force people to convert to Catholicism that literally fulfilled prophecy and brought the Jews into the Roman Catholic Church, along with many other, you know, religions. You have the Babylonian and other pagan traditions all tangled into the Roman Catholic Church, but you also have in the Jesuits and other parts of the church the when i say the church i mean the catholic church you yeah, have the club of rome yeah you have the like that, yeah. all of that it is literally the 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 woman riding the beast
1: and no I, oh sorry bro i, see
0: I it anyway
1: no that was great bro i just that, that brought up a couple questions for me to have uh, odd man answer real quick is what are some of the um The motives uh from their own writings that uh these i guess secular jews and or some of the people who founded the modern you know um zionist movement what were some of their motives of establishing in in israel if especially if the beginning at the beginning you know they were claimed to be secular so what was the motive of that you know
3: yeah, great question. Um, and I appreciate what Jeremy was saying, but the conversos and the Muranos, a lot of people think yep. that those uh, people, you know, really did start to uh, uh, the Jesuits. And, and if you look quickly, I'll just say this, if you if you really start to look at the names, some of those early conversos were Sabbateans. So it all kind of, you know, connects there together. But yeah, you know, I think uh, part of it was just, uh, you know, no doubt there were, uh, you know, a lot of You know, as it's been all throughout history, a lot of Jews fleeing certain places, but I think it was kind of uh, we have to look at it kind of in a romantic kind of way. Uh, Some of these guys uh, kind of foresaw kind of, kind of saw themselves as, as these like, uh, almost, um, storybook like leaders and they, and I think a lot of it had to do with, they wanted to start their own state because many of them had quite a bit of money, uh, and start businesses. They, they, they could see because uh, Theodore Herzl, who's known as the father of Zionism, I mean, he had all this written out. Basically, they, they knew what they were going to do. They were going to start all these businesses and eventually manufacturing and different things like that. But also, what a lot of people don't talk about, and you can go back and see newspaper headlines, vintage newspaper headlines, they knew early on that the land over there was very mineral rich. And so there were millions of dollars worth of minerals under the land over there that wasn't being uh, farmed, if you will. Uh, So that's another thing. And, um, you know, the people that, uh, the Zionists who, you know, spent the most money on it knew they would have a place in the new state, uh, a high place of power. And, uh, you know, kind of back to what uh, Jeremy was saying too a, a second ago, you know, Originally, the Orthodox Jews didn't even think that Israel would come about like they've taken it by force, at the force of a gun in, in numerous wars and, and different things like that. They actually believed that when the Moshiach would come back, the Messiah, it would be a peaceful way, and if this would all happen by his hand supernaturally not them taking it by force. And I've actually seen some of these guys who were, uh, in some of the uh, terrorist organizations like the, um, uh, the Stern gang. And, um, uh, what's the other one? I always forget the name of it. It was the one that, uh, the founder of revisionist Zionism led. Um, I think the Leahy is the, another word for the Stern gang, but there was, there was two gangs and they were, uh, terrorist organizations. And, under mandated Palestine, they were actually bombing the Brits and uh, Arabs during that whole process because they felt like Britain should just give them the whole thing right then. Um, So they it's, it's been taken under violence. And I've seen some of these guys on video say, you know, we didn't have time to wait on God. We wanted to do it ourselves. So that gives you kind of an understanding of the mindset there. And I'll mm-hmm. say too quickly, Gershom Sholem was like the um, first, if I'm not mistaken, the first scholar at Hebrew University in of Jewish mysticism. And if anybody wants to really know what those guys think, his books are excellent. His book on Kabbalah and uh, and Jewish mysticism is is really, or maybe it's mess Messianic Judaism, as he titles it. But um, he he kind of describes, and he was he was a Zionist. But he kind of describes how the mindset, as far as their uh, modern belief in or religion, is that God is kind of like a second, he plays second fiddle to the Jewish people. They kind of use God and some of the things that the Bible, you know, the Old Testament stories as kind of um, almost like in a romantic way, as a legend to have to go along with their modern beliefs but they themselves are the messiahs they're their own messiahs and that's why wow. you see them uh you know doing all these things all over the world you know uh, you know and, and if you start looking around I'll, I'll just tell other people you know that are listening start looking at the past presidential administrations you know even just because their last names don't say you know goldberg or uh, you know feinstein or whatever feinstein <laughs> Start looking at their origins, because many of these people are Jewish. It's just the way it is. Uh, George Bush, Barack Obama, um, the current administration. Oh my God, it's
1: Trump's geez. son. Son, what, what's his name? What uh, Son-in-law, uh, Jewish. Cook-
3: Jared Kushner, yeah, Jerry oh Kushner, gosh,
1: who Kushner. heavily funded the uh, you know the the building of the Third Temple. Yeah, during well, that how, time. Absolutely. How many yeah, that, people do
0: you know can be billionaires? Go bank and then get a loan from the Rothschilds. Yeah, to come back up. Yep, I exactly. last president did.
2: Yep, that's right. And, and we know through Tikkun Alam, which is not in the Bible. It's it's rabbinical practices that the Jews believe it themselves that they will heal the world.
3: Absolutely, yeah. That comes from, if I'm not mistaken, that comes from like uh, late fifteenth. 15th... Uh, late 1500s, uh, rabbi Isaac Luria. And he's the one, I think that uh, Kabbalah, I guess had already been a thing for a few hundred years, but he took a new spin on it and he came up with these ideas of broken vessels of light that the Jews would have to gather by following their 613 laws. And they're, so they basically believe they're kind of putting God back together by doing these good works. So God needs them. So I think that's another way to kind of think about it. Um, so he was the one that come up with Tikkun Olam, if I'm not mistaken. Instead of, re- yeah,
2: it's instead of Christianity, where we need God, it's through God's grace, and by our faith that we're saved. You know, that separates Christianity from all of the religions and that we need God, you know, to save us. Jesus Christ is our redeemer, uh, you know, and so the Jews somehow, which, you know, Jesus is in the Old Testament you know his coming is foretold in the old testament um you know they rejected him um and i've actually seen um uh there there's certain ministries that go over to israel i've seen videos where they've uh read isaiah 53 to them because the rabbis tried to hide isaiah 53 uh, which foretells you know the coming of jesus like if you read isaiah 53 obviously it's jesus the messiah i mean within the old testament right and and so when you know they actually read isaiah 53 and they ask them uh they go well who's this talking about and then they'll be like well the the messiah and then they'll be like okay and then they you know give them the information about you know the, old, the new testament with jesus and put it side by side with isaiah 53 and then they're like oh oh huh. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird to see that it's sometimes it is what you can see the light bulb go off in their head right you know so it, it's very interesting it's very interesting i don't know if you guys have have uh heard about that or not about the rabbis um kind of uh <sighs> messing with the pentateuch uh as you try to take out references of our lord and savior jesus christ within the pentateuch so yes can, can i say something well, I mean, real quick yeah, go ahead. Record.
1: Okay, just real fast. Uh, so we've done shows in the past about the World Economic Forum and something that you guys were mentioning about how in their belief system, you know, they think that they're going to be basically the saviors of the world, right? Um, I just found out that at uh, the World Economic Forum's annual meetings, uh, the Davos conventions, right? They have a Shabbat dinner every <laughs> week or a- at the end of every week there. Like, they literally have a rabbi come and 175 people, it says here, 175 attendees, will wrap up the week in a time-honored uh millennia-old tradition Shabbat dinner, and they have this rabbi named uh, Abraham Brokowski who has traveled to Davos annually for two decades and is involved in the planning for the annual dinner. um Yeah, dude, so, like, even you have these high-level Jewish rabbis that attend Davos uh, which is the world economic forum you know what I mean and everybody knows what they're trying to do they're trying to uh, create globalism and basically take over the entire world and they've been doing that since the 70s so like seems about I right. just found that interesting that there was this Jewish connection there I never noticed it I know like I was thinking about Klaus Schwab I'm like he kind of sounds Jewish <laughs> you know but when I dug into it, it I didn't find anything on him but I did find they do have a Shabbat dinner at these meetings it's wild
0: what yeah it makes sense because uh, judaism th- there is only one small sect of judaism that's not Kabbalistic. every other uh part of judaism sect of judaism the religion is Kabbalistic and, you know, th- they practice necromancy and they worship the queen of heaven, but they are a, they're a polytheistic religion, uh, chock full of different gods and goddesses. Uh, Israel Shahak um, explained Judaism as completely polytheistic and he's an
1: occultist as well wasn't he
0: absolutely yes, um I, that's what i and, read yeah and and whatever can be said about the kabbalistic system of judaism it, it simply cannot be regarded as monotheistic they oh, do no. not worship oh, no. one god you know um unless if you're gonna call judaism monotheistic then you have to call hinduism monotheistic i mean it's just i mean they before and after a meal a pious jew that will will ritually wash his hands and utter special blessings and on one of these two occasions he's worshiping god by promoting the divine union of son and daughter but on the other occasion he's worshiping satan who likes jewish prayers and ritual acts so much that you know when when he's offered a few of them it keeps him busy for a while now this is what they believe it keeps him busy for a while and he forgets to Pester the divine daughter. Now, you know, of course, indeed, the the Kabbalists believe that some of the sacrifices burnt in the temple were intended for Satan. You know, for example, the the wow. seventy bulls sacrifice. Yeah, the seventy bulls sacrificed during the seven days of the the Feast of Tabernacles. They believe were offered to Satan in his capacity as the ruler of all the Gentiles. You know, they have traditional prayers to Satan while engaging in ceremonial hand-washing. And that, I mean, it, it explains why Jesus so harshly criticized the scribes for that particular practice in Mark 7 uh, one through 24 that, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus literally criticizes them for that practice. And, and it makes sense when you, when you understand the practice itself and, you know, um, I, everything that I just said came from my book. I mean, and these, these are things that I have, you know, researched, thoroughly, and there are many, many gods that are in Judaism, and they see God as um, part divine uh, male and female, you know, um, what's the word for male and female Androgy- androgynous. androgynous like, androgynous. like yeah, and yeah yeah androgynous that's the word i couldn't think of but yeah i mean that that is it this is and it comes from you know egypt and babylon they, they picked these practices up egypt babylon uh all the the different uh peoples around canaan the canaanites um you know they they that's where they pick these practices up. And, you know, modern Judaism is literally the same religion of the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, it's interesting how the Noahide laws to who Hubbad practices Kabbalah. Uh, They claim that Christians are polytheists, and that's why that we should be beheaded, according to them, um, uh, through their blasphemic, satanic Noahide laws. But in reality, since many um, people within the Habad-Lubavitch movement uh, practice the Kabbalah, uh, interestingly enough, uh, though they scream that we are polytheistic, um, uh, it is anything uh, but that, with the, the Trinity, is what they claim, uh, they claim that they are a monotheistic uh, uh, religion, which they are not. They are polytheistic. Um, and so, it's just interesting of kind of like uh, them, you know, screaming with a massive plank in their own eyes, right? You know, I mean, and they refuse to see it because they've been partially blinded. Um, and it's, it's sad. It, it it truly is sad, you know, um, that they, you know, the Kabbalah has a lot of sex magic in it. I mean, it is evil. It is truly evil. It's, it's, it's witchcraft. It's magic. It's mysticism. It's fables, Jewish fables. We were warned by Paul not to give credence to Jewish fables, or um, science so falsely or knowledge so falsely called, which is exactly what the Kabbalah is. Um, and I know you've done a lot of research into Chabad, odd man. But Jared Kushner is a member of Habad Lubavitch, and they are a Jewish supremacist uh, cult. Um, so can, can you briefly discuss Habad? Um, any information you have about, Yeah, go ahead, good Jeremy. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, just real quick before we move on, because some of the names that I'm about to mention, John, at least, I think that you'll recognize them. Uh, when we already talked before, but the reason why I'm still stuck on this is because it realized just now how deep Zionism is. Uh. In the global efforts uh, for globalism, really. Like it's not just in governments, it's also in the biggest organizations in the world, like W World Economic Forum. So in this article, I'm just gonna read a short paragraph here from the JewishInsider.com and it's talking about what I had mentioned earlier about the Shabbat dinner. And it gives a list of some people that are were invited and attended this dinner. It says, while the guest list for the invite-only Shabbat dinner remains under wraps, uh, Berkowski noted that this year the WEF boasts a host of high-profile Jewish figures, including Andy Jassy, Adorado, El- Els Dane, I might butcher some of these names, but um, Ulrich Gadesh, David Rubenstein, Steve Schwarzman, Jared Kushner, Mark Benloff, Andrew Ross Sorkin, Alex Soros, Rebecca <laughs> Bloomstein. Adam Grant, um, Gary Khan, Wired's Gideon Litchfield, Israel, Israeli uh Chief Economist Economist Economist, sorry, uh Sharia Greenberg, Rabbi Yonatan Nerrl, and Google, Google's Ruth Parat. Uh our crowds, uh Jonathan Mediv, Edward Felis Felcinto. don't know how to say his last name. And Bank of Israel Governor uh, Amir Yaron. Wow. So, like, yeah, tons of high-profile Jewish leaders and influencers attended this at the World Economic Forum, which,
2: which I mean, yeah, I mean, I it doesn't pi- surprise me, but I didn't. I didn't and realize. one the last thing before we pivot to to build upon that, too, odd man was the first ever Rosh Hashanah or Shabbat party that was held at the White House was held by Biden. September 21st. Wow.
3: 2022. Yep. Well, you know, he um he's on- Today Christian film. values. <laughs> he's on film, you know, a couple of times saying he's a Zionist, and he means it. You know, he won Proud an Zionist. award.
2: Proud Zionist.
3: Proud Zionist, yes. Uh, he won an award from the Zionist Organization of America a few years ago. I think it was the Theodore Herzl Award. So, yeah, he's deep in their pockets. I mean, I guess they're, you know- <laughs> Under their thumbs, anyway, I guess I should say. And one thing really to um, mention, as uh, Jeremy Anderson was saying, yeah, if you look in, um, it's the Pritzker version of the Zohar, which is, all, is funded by that Pritzker family from Chicago who are basically come straight out of the mafia. They go back. That's how that family got rich, is uh, through the mafia. But anyway, um, it says in there in a footnote, On Yom Yom Kippur, they sacrifice a goat to Samael, and it says in parentheses, Satan. And they still do that. That goes all the way back to, you know, to ancient times. And um, so, and you know, talk about the red string. Something just connected to that. I'll mention quickly that may or may not be significant. But when they would throw the goat down the hill to sacrifice it they would throw it down a mountain like a multi-layer mountain and they would have different people on different layers of the mountain in case it didn't fall all the way then they would toss it they would tie a red string around it like they do the uh kabbalah so <laughs> right which tucker and, wears
2: uh every chance he possibly yeah
3: absolutely uh but on uh, with shabbat or habad you know they um they do have synagogues all over the world, you know, all over the country and, and all over the world. I guess I don't know. I know they're big in uh, Ukraine and Russia as well. Uh, I think uh, the
2: uh, now Putin sem- would never, ever, ever have anything to do with Habad Lubavitch. He is the oh, no. savior of
3: Christendom.
2: Yeah, oh, man, right how dare dogs. you say that? Right,
3: right. <laughs> Even though he was very good uh, pals with uh, oh, what's his name, he he was the uh, main Habad rabbi in in Russia. Baruch something. But, uh, yeah, there's tons of pictures of those guys together. But, um, yeah, I, I think that they are basically a... I think they have their own... Um, they're like the CIA, you know, the Mossad. They're, they're basically, they are basically have their own intelligence uh, network set up. And they've talked about that in some of their videos. Going back to the Cold War, they had an intelligence network set up during the Cold War. And uh, I think that they have had a lot to do with changing the the Orthodox Jews' mindset on Zionism. I think that they're one of the biggest ones because they're very Zionist, um, which some, you know, Orthodox aren't, or still aren't. Like there are many Orthodox in, uh, you know, I may disagree with them on a lot of things in their mysticism, but at least some of the American Orthodox are anti-Zionist. You know, they hold rallies in, in New York, uh, against the state of Israel, you know, so um, I got to hand it to him on that one thing. But and then if you look over at Israel, they're ran by these hardcore Orthodox Zionists. So I think the Chabad are probably the most powerful uh, any you know, of any of the sects of, of Judaism. They're the most powerful politically.
2: And they're the most mystical, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which which is, I mean, I guess that goes in line, right? Because they're serving Satan ultimately. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, you know, the voice of the martyrs, um, uh, you know, lists Israel as a country where Christian persecution occurs. uh, Not so much by the Muslims there, specifically in Palestine, um, but by the Jews. That's right. Um, and, uh, a lot, again, any Zionist Christians who are listening out there, uh, there have been numerous statements released by Christians, uh, within, Palestinian Christians within Israel, uh, saying that it is the Jews that desecrate their churches. It is the Jews, um, you know, not all Jewish people, okay, obviously, but there are hardcore Orthodox uh, Jewish sects within Israel that are desecrating uh, uh, Christian churches and that are assaulting Palestinian Christians uh, for their Christian beliefs, okay, um, which is very interesting because we know that Islam persecutes Christians in different parts of the world, like Nigeria, for example, okay, where uh, in Nigeria, a majority of the Christians are persecuted there by um, Muslims. Uh, but in Israel, where, you know, again, you have a heavy Palestinian Muslim population, okay, the Christian Palestinians are the minority, okay, and they live with the Palestinian Muslims. The Palestinian Muslims pretty much respect them and leave them alone. Uh, it is the uh, Jewish people within Israel, not all of them, obviously, but there are some, especially that, that are ultra Orthodox, uh, that persecute Palestinian Christians and people who proselytize within Israel. Okay. Well, you can't,
1: That's yeah, well, you also can't say anything because you're automatically an anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to hear that on mainstream media, you know, and there's there's actually multiple countries around the world now, not just Israel, but I think in Britain, too. Right now, it's illegal to protest. I remember a girl got arrested for uh, praying inside her head in front of a Planned Parenthood. She got arrested for that. Wow for praying to God inside her head. And they knew she was praying just the way that she, you know, her body language and everything she admitted, she was praying. They arrested her for that. And I'm assuming that Eng- England is a very Zionist country. I'm assuming.
3: Mm. Well, you look at their, uh, their newest, uh, I guess he's the PM. I guess they don't have a president there, right? They have the prime minister. He, um, he's, um, I think he's an Indian, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's Middle Eastern, of Middle Eastern descent, but he can be seen uh, with the red string on his wrist. And I know mm-hmm. that quite a few of his main appointees have been Jewish. So that t- that tells you kind of what you need to know there. They're getting all their people in the right places. And you see uh, people like DeSantis, who you know, are signing these uh, policies into law, that, you know, making uh, anti-Semitic speech illegal. And it's like pretty clear to me from everything that I've read, what they're doing with the Noahide laws and, uh, you know, people like DeSantis signing this, these policies is they're trying to make it illegal for any criticism whatsoever to be put towards not only Israel, but I think anyone who is Jewish, uh, any business owners, any politicians, that's where it's headed. And, um, If people think that's not going to, you know, if people think that's going to be a good thing, it's not. It's never worked out well when you kind of like put one sect of people, very powerful, rich people. And in fact, uh, you basically put them up on a podium and say, they can't be critiqued that we can't point out that they're doing evil things. Um, Like the
0: the world.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, uh, odd man, real quick, just because I know that we all know what it is, but for those that might be listening who don't know what it is, what are the Noahide laws?
3: Well, they claim the Orthodox, uh, I'm sure it comes from Orthodox Judaism. I haven't delved deeply into it, and, and Jeremy, he, he might know a little bit more than me, actually, but uh, they have seven laws for Gentiles, then uh, many, many laws for. Uh, Jews that they believe were handed to God, I mean, handed from God to Noah before the flood. But they're not in the
2: Bible. They're not in the Bible.
3: Not in the Bible. They're only in the
2: Babylonian Talmud and and rabbinic literature. Um, That's right. They're not in the Bible whatsoever.
3: And if I'm not mistaken, uh, John, I think that uh, the seven Noahide laws, at least several of them, call for the death penalty if uh, if you break them.
2: That's correct. Uh, Not to worship idols, not to curse God, not to commit murder, not to commit adultery or sexual immorality, not to steal, not to eat flesh torn from a living animal, and to establish courts of justice. World courts of justice, might I add. Uh, But yes, uh, and the punishment is beheading, which the saints are beheaded. uh, You know, uh, it's foretold in the Book of Revelation, and um, I've I've listened to numerous uh, rabbis uh, talk about Christians that we since we worship. Um, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, Triune God, uh, that we are breaking the first Noahide law, which is not to worship idols. It is a form of idolatry. Uh, and in doing so, uh, uh, we, it is, you know they claim it's the loving last resort, uh, which would be to be punished by death, which would be beheading uh, for that. Um, so do you have anything to add, Jeremy Anderson, about the Noahide laws? Anything that uh, yes. Anything? Um,
0: well, like you said, they're not in the Bible, although they claim they go back to Noah after the flood, it, you know, that he established those laws before there was an Israel. And that's why they're called Noahide laws. That's why they're for the Gentiles. But um, Jeremy Stone was asking me about Because, you know, we are talking about Zionism and Christian Zionism is definitely a big part of it. Um, Ken Johnson. And he, you know, he writes a lot of books and he is very dispensational, very pro-Zionist Israel. And he is the most pro-Noahide law, um, quote unquote, Christian that I know um wow. that i've seen right about it anyway that's you know vocal about it and a lot of christians mistakenly believe that the noahide laws are a good thing
2: no they're um, satanic
0: absolutely and but if you don't have discernment and you think you know it you believe in a dual covenant theology and you think that the zionist nation of israel in the middle east is god's chosen people then and especially if you believe you have to bless and support everything they do or else you'll be cursed then you're going to support things like the noahide laws but you know i know a lot of people are like yeah and i am too i know john is looking at trump but I'm also looking at Ron DeSantis um, because he could very easily become our next president. And if not the next, then definitely the next one in, in the next election. And I, I try to follow him. I don't, I don't watch news much, but I do try to follow him. Um, especially since my wife wants to move to Florida so bad, but
2: uh, it's a trap. um, It's a trap for conservatives and Christians.
0: Florida's a trap. I'm not going, uh, we, we, we will not be moving to Florida, but I, I did want to ask odd man something. Um, as far as, um, the Palestinians and the Zionist over in Israel go, have you, Um, done any research or uh, read anything about the secular Jewish scientists that have done the DNA research over in Israel. Um, They found that it's the quote-unquote Palestinian, you know, the Arabs who have the DNA leading back to the, you know, Old Testament Jews and the Zionist, you know, the people who are actually called Jews have very little and a lot have none at all. And these are Jewish scientists who are atheists and have no, you know, dog in the fight, so to speak of religion or god's chosen people
3: or whatnot i have not heard that um, that's very interesting i'll definitely delve into that um, I, I have read a little bit about the uh, dna uh, i know this was a hebrew university professor who undertook this it was female and i forget her name but she is the one that come out and said the ashkenazis were actually at least partially uh, of european yes. descent
0: she was also in the, the study I read. It was her and a male scientist that was in the uh, study that I read.
3: Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that is that is wild. And let me say, too, real f- quick before I forget, because I know I will. If I'm not mistaken, the Noahide laws, the, the actually uh, the, the policies that have been signed go back to President H.W. Bush, I yeah, think he was the first one. about the
2: read the proclamation, about the read a proclamation for that.
3: And I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I know it's connected, and I, it may have started right then, it was under the guise of uh, respecting the 7th Rebbe or Rabbi of Chabad, uh, mm-hmm. Rabbi Menachem Mendel Sneerson mm-hmm. and it was under some kind of education label. Correct, Yes. And I saw the other day. I, I want to say it was the governor of Arkansas, but I Te- could be wrong. It was Texas. It was Texas. He just Texas. signed another uh, proclamation for the the Noahides.
2: And it was a so-called uh, Catholic uh, uh, state representative, Texas of Latino origin, uh, who I think is just. I think. I think it's just. It is just fooled from what I saw in his purposes he seemed like a nice guy on Twitter um but uh he um he was the one that pushed it for Greg Abbott to sign it. I did a lot of research uh into them um uh, and I actually should do a show actually we should do a show on that but um uh the, the, it, 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 it mirrored um because it's, it, it's put forth by the the Rebbe's birthday that's what education day is okay because they worship. Sure. Rabbi Schneerson. Okay. They, worship, they think he's going to come back. Like there's some people within Chabad uh, that believe that he is the Messiah and that he's going to come back and return. Okay. Rabbi Schneerson is. Okay. Now, not all people within Chabad believe that. OK, supposedly, allegedly. OK, but that's at least for what I've seen uh, that there were that there was um, specific people that did within Chabad that were putting up posters in New York that had to be, you know, and billboards that the Reb- Rebbe was returning and that he's the messiah. Uh, Shears it. Uh, but um, but when you actually look at the prof- proclamation of both the Texas one. That Greg Abbott signed, unless there's another one besides that one, I just saw the Texas one for Education Day, um, and the, the, the proclamation that George Bush signed on April 14th, 1989. Very interesting thing they put in there is that they claim that the basis of the Noahide laws, both the one that Abbott signed and the one that Bush signed, and I'm paraphrasing here, are the basis of the formation of our country and the state of Texas. Okay, so they're literally saying that the Noahide laws, that that our founding fathers who are Masonic and Deist and Illuminist or Satanist, like Thomas Paine, or whatever you want to say, okay, that the formation of the United States of America, the Grand Atlantean Experiment, okay, was founded in the Noahide laws. Okay. So that's where we get the basis of the Judeo-Christian values of America that you hear that terminology pushed a lot by the Council for National Policy. But in reality, it's Christian values. Okay. Let's be real here. All right. So the, they you know they're saying that the foundation of Western civilization is based on the seven Noahide laws. That's insanity, but that's what they and it's literally proclaimed that George H. W. Bush signed it. I mean, it is it is for all intents and purposes a presidential proclamation
3: that that is the truth. It's wild, and you think about uh, H. W. Bush. You know, do you guys remember when he had told the French president it was during the early pretty pretty early on in the war on terror and he was thanking him for taking like I guess helping America and he was like you know this is a religious thing this is the war of Gog and Magog you know it's talking about the war on terror and then yep. if you you know you look into the like the the messianic uh teachings the the judy you know the rabbinical teachings they talk about the war of Gog and Magog being the last great war and uh so that makes me wonder, uh, you know, what what he really believed and what he'd been studying. You know, and did he get this stuff out of skull and bones, or uh, you know, is it was he consulting uh, rabbis? I'm, you know, it's and
2: I mean, you're right. And I guess in closing, one last thing to to, to build credence to that, which you know, I actually, Education Day, which is Rabbi Schneerson's birthday, is a legal holiday in the United States of America. By the way, but um george hw bush wrote uh the seven noahide laws the principles of moral ethical conduct that form the basis of all civilization come to us in part from the centuries old seven noahide laws the noahide laws are actually seven commandments given to man by god as recorded in the old testament no they are not right no they are not these commandments include pro- prohibitions against murder, robbery, adultery, blasphemy, and greed, as well as the positive order to establish courts of justice. He blended in the Ten Commandments that were given to us by God, in with the seven Noahide laws. He even get it right, okay, just to blend it in, so most people go, yeah, you know, people that don't read their Bible yeah that seems about right right that seems about right it, it it is it is ridiculous it is blasphemic to the highest levels
1: okay I was gonna say that John that it, that that partially it, it they're copying the Ten Commandments that's why people are so deceived by it because you got to throw that little bit of truth in there or else they'll never believe it in the first place.
2: And then I guess one last thing in closing, um, just, just to add to that is is the book of Jubilees does give so-called six commandments, uh, which again it's not biblical, okay. But I'm just you know, lesser genesis, but I'm just mentioning it here, okay. But these ones you could exeges, exeg- you could use exegesis to, to kind of go, okay, well, these fit within what's taught within the Bible. Okay. So the first one is to observe righteousness. The second was to cover the shame of their flesh. So modesty. The third is to bless God. The fourth is to honor their parents. The fifth is to love their neighbor. And sixth to go to get a guard against fornication and cleanliness and all iniquity. Now they claim again the book look at the book of Jubilees. Look at what God commanded in the um old testament uh through the Ten Commandments. Well the seven Noahide laws they're in there somewhere right no they're not and i'm not saying the book of jubilees is law that christians should follow okay i would recommend the two commandments that jesus christ gave to us which incorporate the ten commandments and all of the law okay but the book of jubilees at least with their six is more biblical i would argue by far than the seven Noah laws
3: I, I agree, man. And I, let me mention quickly, too, I, I, I'm i not real knowledgeable about the Noahide laws, but I'm definitely looking into it. I found a book. I think Deanne Loper recommended it to me. She wrote that great book, uh, Kabbalah Secrets Christians Need to Know, and, and I've yep. learned a lot from her. She probably got me started, honestly, on this uh, kind of looking into uh, what they actually believe. But, uh, yeah, it's called The Divine Code, and it's uh, by a Rabbi Moshe Weiner, and you can find it. I wouldn't give my money to the guy, but you can find it on Anna's Archive. And it's like a seven 800-page book. And um, Deanne says that there are sub-laws, so it's not quite just the seven. She says there's actually sub-laws connected to it. Yeah, I've seen that too. So I look at it as, you know, even if these laws are, are just – Giving these people you know the the ability for capital capital I can't talk sorry capital punishment you know I mean they don't deserve that power you know to to, to have that over us they don't even deserve that to have that over other Jews I mean these rabbis you know that they, they want to be the one and only law of the land they want to be the
2: I mean, they want to know, establish a, courts of justice, yeah exactly. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, you in, of you in courts pilot. of justice, you know, pharisaical courts again, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. And I can understand some people say, well, some of the seven Noahide laws sound like what's commanded by God. I understand that. But when you really dig in, you listen to the rabbis of what they say about the seven Noahide laws. For example, us as Christians, they claim we break the first Noahide law of not to worship idols, which God commanded us not to do. But they claim that believing in God, the father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy spirit The triune God is worshiping of idols. Or they say not to curse God, for example. I've heard a rabbi say that when we in our prayers in Jesus' name, that's cursing God because he's not the Messiah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they invert all of these. Now, yes, you could say obviously do not commit murder, do not commit adultery or sexual immorality. But when you get into the sub laws, from what I've heard and the way that the rabbis talk about this, it's not exactly the commandments that God gave us within the old Testament or anything like that. It's they, 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 they twist it. They, they, you know, it's like, what a Christian hears these. They're like, Oh yeah, these, of course, this sounds like this is from the Bible. Right. But again, if you really listen to what they're saying, most Christians break these.
3: Mm-hmm. And Jews too. Yeah. I mean, no Jew could, you know, no Jewish person, You know, I tell people my grandmother was Jewish, no Jewish person could obey 613 laws perfectly. No one ever has, no one ever will. So if that's the criteria for getting into their version of heaven, utopia on earth or whatever, uh, no one has been able to accomplish that. Yeah, they for think, Jesus Christ, that's it. Yeah, exactly, it. exactly. <laughs>
2: except for, you know, God, Jesus Christ himself, no human's ever been able to do it but they through their own righteousness that they seek their vaingloriness okay they believe that they can they can manifest god's kingdom down here on earth and even subvert god i mean where does that come from when you have the tower of babel for example in nimrod it's akin to that right and so it's just these people again there's there's argument of the synagogue of satan reference in revelation right but these people who say they are jews but their hearts are farther from god than they possibly can be uh you know and and i guess you know in in closing you know unless jeremy you have one more question um i just want to say that again though we talked about zionism here though we talked about modern judaism okay and our disagreements with it as such um you know we are to proselytize to the Jewish people. We are to not hate the Jewish people because we're not to hate anyone, okay, uh, as we're commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, and though we have issues with Zionism, we have issues with anybody who practices um, uh, you know, a religion – you know, outside of the one true religion, which is Christianity, Bible-believing Christianity, uh, and our issues is not with them individually themselves, but that they're practicing false religions and they're not following and trusting and having faith in God, okay? Um, And so, you know, any Jewish person who's listening, we love you. We want you to come to the truth, which is the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Word, okay? And so we want you to submit yourself to God to repent to have faith um to realize that you know um that there is a body of christ the spiritual israel remnant of believers throughout history and that they are not saved by their blood they're not saved by their mysticism they're not saved by their knowledge they are not saved by any of that okay what people wh- how you become saved and it's always been this way throughout recorded history is having faith in god and god alone and submitting and humbly serving god in repentance that's how a person gets saved is the grace that god show us which leads to faith and so if there are any jewish people listening we don't hate you okay but we again you know we, we should even pray we should even pray for someone as wicked as henry kissinger for example okay um or or jared kushner but you know and there are some christians who take it too far that i do believe do hate jewish people uh yeah. you know um but martin luther. yeah martin luther could be definitely be an example of that yes on the jews and their lies okay uh so i do believe that there are christians who take it too far okay um but you know that it, there's a very fine line like we're supposed to expose evil okay and so there is you know, evil within these Zionist organizations and how, again, if Israel is persecuting Christians, the Israeli government, and ultra-Orthodox Jews, then how can we not call them out, even if they're quote-unquote God's chosen people as Christians? How can we not stand with our born-again Christian brothers and sisters who are being um, persecuted, but instead stand with the Zionist Jews, with the you know ultra-orthodox Jews that are persecuting our Christian brethren, that makes no sense whatsoever. It does not make any sense from a biblical standpoint. Okay, you didn't see the apostle John, who was Jewish, standing with okay, the Jews that were persecuting his Christian brethren. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So why you know, if anybody's listening who is a Zionist, who is a Christian. That makes no logical sense whatsoever. So hopefully that makes sense, Jeremy, does it?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up just to make it clear. Uh, But I also wanted to say, too, is we talk about dispensationalism a lot on this show, and we highly disagree with them. And the reason why – and we don't hate you either. We love our dispensationalist brothers and sisters. And the reason why we talk about it so much is because we see a deception we're trying to warn you about. You don't want to play into the same plan, uh, the same agenda that the Zionists have. You know what I mean? You don't want to fall into that category at all. Like It's against God's will, first of all, to persecute anybody. And it's against God's will to to exalt a nation above above another. I mean, it's clear as day in the Bible, you know what I mean? That we are supposed to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are supposed to love our neighbor. Anybody that is outside of that is also made in the image of God. And we are to love them too. Yep. You know, and there's a, there's just a, there's a deception going on that we see that you may not be able to see through indoctrination. And that's what it is. We're trying to bring that to light to pull you out of that. Um, And that's part of our job as Christians. Like it, it, it is, it's a, it's part of our jobs to expose the darkness. And before I go on a huge rabbit trail, uh, if we got time, I just want to ask Odd Man yes. one more question. And uh, if you got time, buddy, yeah, and that is, uh, what is the tie through your research? Because before we started the show, you talked about um, how you were studying Freemasonry quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. is there a tie between Zionism and, Fre- and
3: Freemasonry? Um, yes, and no. There, I don't believe Freemasonry. I know a lot, there's kind of traditional conspiracy theorists. Uh, even Christian truthers say, you know, Freemasonry was invented by Jews, uh, Zionists. I, I, I've never seen proof of that. But what I will say is, I believe probably Freemasonry comes out of uh, roots uh, Egyptian, much like some of the uh, messianic beliefs and Zoroastrianism. I think I actually said it halfway right that time. Mm. That was good. And you know, but but most of the imagery is Jewish, Hebrew, and uh, there's so much Hebrew in Freemasonry that you couldn't have ma- modern Masonry without it. And the I think the roots of it is Kabbalah, and uh, I'm actually about to do a show on that, hopefully two weeks from now. But uh, yeah, you couldn't have Freemasonry without Kabbalah, and Kabbalah is. Judaism, it's like the other Jeremy said, uh, you know, most Jews believe in Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah in some form or fashion. It's not this small fringe group. Uh, And that comes from the Lurianic Kabbalah that we talked about because he, he was so influential that he just influenced so many Jews. And then also when you get into, uh, you know, Jacob Frank and uh, Mm -hmm. even before him, the Shabbatai Zvi, uh, these guys were also Kabbalists and mystic- mystics, and they kind of put that in the uh, zeitgeist for uh, Jews. And uh, like half the world followed, uh, roughly half the world's Jews followed Shabbatai Zvi, and he was basically the Aleister Crowley of his day in, in a in a former fashion. Yeah, so, and it's and yeah.
2: It's, cr- it's crazy because God disdains witchcraft and mysticism I, in the Old Testament numerous times. Is <laughs> you know, and so they literally. Again, how can they hold up the Bible and, you know, at least the, the I would say the, 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 the Torah or the Pentateuch of the Old Testament and say, um, I believe this, mm-hmm.
3: but at the same time practice the Kabbalah.
1: Yeah, yeah the logic yeah. isn't there, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, I, you know, the more I look into Freemasonry, um, I can't see, and I know some Christians who were, are Masons or were Masons. I can't
2: see how you can be I don't wow. see how you can be a Mason and a Christian. I don't see how it's possible.
3: Mm-mm. I mean, yeah. they either were totally oblivious to what they were in, or uh, somehow thought they could separate themselves from this. They just maybe saw it as um, can't serve you know, two masters. Fellowship can't yeah,
2: serve two example. masters.
3: Yeah, um, exactly.
2: Um, is do you have another question, Jeremy? No, sir. Okay, Oddman. Thank you for coming on. We should definitely do this again, brother. Um, I'd love to. Can you tell everybody where they can find you?
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. I really enjoyed this. It was great to meet Jeremy and the other Jeremy as well. And I look forward to talking to you guys again. Uh, you can find the podcast at theoddmanout.podbean.com. And you can go to Twitter. It's underscore out, And there you can see in the profile, you can see all my links. So you can find everything there.
2: I am a Patreon, happy Patreon subscriber of Odd Man. Uh, as I suggest, everybody out in the listening audience do so as well. Um, and uh, follow Odd Man. I've been, you know, listening for, I don't how many episodes now more than i more than 70 more than 80 you've been grinding them out man you've been grinding them out so and uh and uh thank you for all that you do uh all glory to god brother um and uh all right everybody that is it here from by their fruits um jeremy you want to say anything else in closing brother
1: yeah no just to thank odd man once again for coming on the show man it's it's good to have you on and uh, we definitely have so much to talk about so i'm looking forward to having you on again man
3: Absolutely. Thank you, man. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. God bless everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits." May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.